Hey there, friends. Peace be with you. Thanks for joining us again for the next episode of the Reach More podcast. Today, we are joined by Jason Simon, who is the president of the Evangelical Catholic, and he's going to share with us a little bit about the history of the EC, as well as uh, how the founder was a little bit of a wild guy and then came to know the Lord and how he ended up starting this awesome Catholic apostolate. Then we're going to jump right into some of our own favorite stories of mission from the field. And I want you to make sure you hit subscribe or follow because in our next episode, we've got our first guest who is out there doing the stuff we're talking about. He's not a professional minister. He's just a guy who uh, had a great job, a really interesting career. I think you're going to love some of the, his stories from work. And now he's taking that same passion and energy and uh, pouring all of that into helping people come to know the love of God. So I think you're going to love this one and the next one. I can't wait to hear what you think about both of them. So thanks so much and enjoy. Well, friends, we are so excited to launch the Reach More podcast. This has been in the works for quite some time. And so to get us started, we are talking with Jason Simon. And Jason, go ahead and introduce yourself, please. Hello, I'm Jason Simon. I'm the president of the Evangelical Catholic. I live in Madison, Wisconsin. I have six wonderful children. I've been married for 25 years. And uh, I love to watch the Green Bay Packers every Sunday. Oh, this was a rough season for you last year, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I grew up when the Packers were horrible. They were, I mean, the Packers were the, were the Cleveland Browns of the 1980s and, and just miserable. So I'm, I'm used to it. I roll with it. Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. I only, my memory of the Packers is the Brett Favre and the Aaron Rodgers era. Oh yeah! Oh, wow, I glor- didn't even know that. Glory years. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. So I mean, yeah. you had a good long run, and it, like I, I think you could argue yes. they're not over. Um, oh, they're not over. Yeah, we'll be no. back. They yeah, seem yeah. like year, baby. Me. Yeah, yes. yeah. Says the <laughs> says the Dolphins fan. <laughs> nope. Says the New Orleans Saints fan. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Oh. Band, bandwagon jumper. I live in New Orleans for a little while, and then I changed my football team. <laughs> Hey, I was never a Dolphins fan. So when I moved oh, okay. to New Orleans, I just had to like the Saints or they kicked yeah. me out. So All right. All right. Fair have a new quarterback. It could be a good year. Yeah. Well, this is a podcast about the creative apostolates that regular Catholics in the world have started in our living. And when I say regular Catholics, what I mean is people who are, there's nothing regular about them really. But uh, on the outside, a lot of people would just say that's probably just an average Catholic. They go to mass and uh, what people don't see is that they have made a decision to follow Jesus, to answer his call, to proclaim the gospel. And they have discerned that in some novel way that fits with their life, they're called to share the gospel and to proclaim who Jesus is to other people in a way that uh, helps other people follow Jesus. And so this whole podcast is going to be about sharing those stories so that we can inspire people like you to do the same thing in your life. And that's not to say that you need to start an apostolate just like theirs, but instead, by listening to these apostolates, hopefully you will be inspired to say, you know what, I can do that, but let me tweak this. Let me do it in this different way. Maybe you don't need to do it at the office before work starts. Maybe you're not going to do it in your home. Maybe you're going to do it in a coffee shop. Um, there's no one way that you have to do this because uh, we can be flexible to meet the needs of people so that they can hear the good news of Jesus Christ. To get started, what I'd like to do, Jason, is for you to give us a little bit of the background of the evangelical Catholic 
um, because that in, in itself is the fruit of people responding to Jesus's invitation to follow him. Well, our founder grew up uh, Catholic, uh, large family. He was one of many kids, uh, like 10 kids. And uh, the, the family was, was of their generation. And so they, they, they didn't do a lot to evangelize their kids. They just uh, trusted that raising their, Catholic, their kids Catholic would be enough for them to become Catholics when they're older. But as so many of us know, uh, the 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 sea changed uh, in in um, in the generation that just just preceded ours, uh, and it, it wasn't enough anymore. We you know, we all know so many people who have fallen fallen away from the Catholic faith, even though they were raised Catholic. And so he was raised in a, a Catholic family like that. Sometimes sometimes as a teenager, uh, he started falling away from his faith. And getting into all kinds of darkness, you know, he tells me he was stealing cars when he was 13 and, and you know, just in, got involved with uh, drugs and uh, all kinds of darkness. And um, when he graduated from high school, he discerned that he wanted to go into the Navy. And so uh, he was at a Navy base in San Diego and Billy Graham came to, came to town and preached a crusade and uh and gave an altar call and said if you want to give your life to jesus come on down and so he uh that night gave his life to jesus and was delivered from darkness he was delivered from addiction and just a, just a beautiful extraordinary uh change in his life and he was just full of the joy and the love and forgiveness of jesus uh, there was a, a group on the navy base called the navigators and the navigator's uh, goal was to accompany people into discipleship. And so luckily he connected with the navigators and, and they, uh, a navigator staff member, met one-on-one -on -one with, with Tim and walked him into prayer and uh, devotions to his scriptures and growing as a disciple, growing in virtue, resisting temptation, all the things we need to be established in when we have a conversion experience. And and so he became a solid disciple, even as a, a Navy soldier, and was was a leader, a Christian leader on campus, uh, on, on the base. Uh, but he, he discerned after the military that he wanted to go into ministry. And he had never encountered Jesus as a Catholic uh, in, in ways that transformed his life the way that uh, the Navigators had and Billy Graham had and the whole evangelical Protestant network that had taken care of him all those years. So. The natural thing for him was to become a Protestant pastor. So he went to Fuller Theological Seminary, uh, got his MDiv from there, and um, landed in Madison, Wisconsin, where I live, as a Protestant pastor of a of a church in town. Uh, but he had studied the Patristic Fathers as um, as a Protestant, you know, seminary student, and loved reading the Fathers. And so, as a pastor, he kept reading the Church Fathers. Uh, you know, in his spare time, he's quite intellectual and a photographic memory, just a really brilliant man. And uh, he started hearing, you know, about the the real presence uh, in, in the faith and the real presence in the early church fathers and the devotion to Mary and the early church fathers and, and um, you know, early signals of Lent in the early church fathers, all these things that started to um, stir up some nostalgia in him for the Catholic church. 
And so he started reading about the Catholic Church and he started praying his rosary and, he, you know, he just started like incorporating Catholic practices into his life, even as a Protestant minister, uh, and eventually discerned uh, that he should become Catholic. So he left, uh, he, he left his job and he knew real estate. He started a real estate company and came to the Catholic Church. He had read all the church documents on evangelization, just gobbled them up, all of Vatican II, Pope Paul VI, St. John Paul II. And um, went to a Catholic mass and he was shocked to see that as he looked around, very few people were embodying what he had read. <laughs> you know, yeah. he expected oh. to find like this, oh, this beautiful, thriving, on fire, evangelical presence. You know, oh, this church, wow, the church. I never knew the church was so awesome. He went back to mass and he's like, what? In the, nobody knows this stuff. And no, you know, he looked around and he just could tell they were disengaged from the mass and they didn't know how to live as disciples and his, his heart ached, but he had been given a lot of tools as a Protestant minister and seminary and in ministry to do something about it. So he started small groups and he started, he started forming and training lay people for the great commission just as a lay Catholic and, uh, and, and more and more church leaders wanted his help to do that. And uh, so that was, those were the nascent, uh, nascent uh, embodiments of the evangelical Catholic, just him getting busy in a church, forming and training uh, Catholics for discipleship and mission. Um, so I met him in 1998. Uh, I had read Scott Hahn's book. I grew up Protestant. I was already kind of on my way to being coming Catholic. I had read the church documents. Uh, he helped me overcome a few of my last hurdles, and I became Catholic in 1999. The Evangelical Catholic was formed in 1998. So when I became Catholic, he told me that he was forming this organization to do what he had been doing and to coach ministries to do this. And man, and I just immediately was fired up. I was like, wow, the world needs this. And I, I would say to him, we're going to wake the sleeping giant. We're going to wake the sleeping <laughs> giant. Like, wait till the Catholic Church comes alive in the Great Commission, man. You just wait, world. Here comes the Catholic Church. We have all the teachings. We have the Pope's leadership. Let's go. And I was just fired about, up about it from the very beginning. I wanted him to take it and fly. But he just he was always working part-time on it. He was never uh, just never felt called to dedicate himself full-time. So when I, when I, and I've been cheerleading it, you know, for, uh, for at the time when I, uh, eight years, I graduated from and got my master's of divinity from Notre Dame. And, and I was looking for a job. I was applying to campus ministry and parish positions all over the country. And, uh, he and the board called me and said, Hey, we think you're the guy to, to, to go full-time to be the first full-time executive director and, and take the EC where it needs to go. And, I was humbled and I was thrilled because I'd just been like chomping at the bit to to help the evangelical Catholic be, become what I thought it should become and needed to become. And not only that, I, I've all these years been praying for more uh, more organizations to do what we do because it's just such a such a desperate need in our world for for every Catholic sitting in the pews to know how to love the world with the love of Jesus and make disciples. So, um, so yeah, that, that's how I got started and, uh, it's just been awesome to, to be a part of it. So EC is in uh, its 25th year now. 
Yeah. This year, 25 years. This I quarter think, century. I think the exact awesome. anniversary, I think, it would be this summer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Are we throwing awesome. a party? We should. <laughs> <laughs> In Florida, baby. We're coming to Florida. I can come up Let's with do so it. many Let's themes. Let's do it. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. love theme parties. Okay, we we're doing it. It's fun. I love I love parties. I'm not a great party planner, but I'm a great party goer. <sighs> yeah, me too. I'm good I'm at that. Same. We could do yeah. like a roaring twenties. Okay, I'm gonna stop. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll evangelize so, Miami for our 25th anniversary. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, stay there. Stay there for the, for the remainder a great of place. this. You know, another 75 years. That's awesome. Um, so. The you said a couple of things that, that I want to go back to uh, briefly, and one was that um, you know um, the founder didn't really feel called to do this full time, uh, and so that's that's unique in that he started this thing that did flourish, um, but he knew that he was supposed to hand it off, and he handed it off to you. So that is, I mean, he really is kind of the um, emblematic of uh, what we want to inspire. It's somebody who who has a job, who's in the world, because doubtless those relationships working in real estate, uh, I mean, you just meet a ton of people. Like, I don't think there's many people in yeah. real estate who aren't extroverts, who aren't outgoing. I mean, the the, the name of that business is just make connections and, and establish relationships and be patient. Yeah. And that in itself is helpful for, for evangelization because that's what it looks like. And then for you specifically, um, it was do this full time. You're called to, uh, to step into this role. Um, Shifting a little bit towards, um, oh, and the, the other thing, sorry, was uh, you said you hope there's more groups that that pop up like this because the church needs this. Uh, and I had this this thought real quick was even if EC was working with 500,000 lay people, that's a drop in the bucket of just the number of Catholics in the country who uh, who could be equipped to better spread the, the message of Jesus Christ. And I love that there's not like a competition there of like, it's got to be us. We've got to be the only ones. But uh, it, there's that scripture verse when, you know, the, the apostles came to Jesus and said, Lord, there's other people who are who are doing good things in your name. What should we do about it? And he says, nothing. Leave them be. Yeah, if, if they're if they're not against us, they're for us. Yeah, and absolutely. It, yes, exactly. Yeah. So, no, that that's right. I mean, the, most studies say there's between 60 and 70 million self-identifying Catholics in the United States alone, not to mention Latin America, not to mention Europe, Africa has a thriving Catholic population. I mean, there, there are, I think around a billion Catholics. Yeah. So I think it's over exactly a billion. Right, Dan. One, if, one point yeah. If we were impacting, like yeah. if we were impacting 500,000, uh, you know, wonderful. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'll, yeah. Take, I'll take 1000, but um, yeah, man, we need, we need more. We need, we need, uh, we need probably 10 evangelical Catholic, different organizations, different charisms, different leaders, different people, uh, in the United States alone. Maybe, maybe yep. we need a hundred, you know, to reach yeah, all yeah. those people. And then we need, you need, we need a hundred more on every continent, <laughs> Yeah, but it's, it's so, all, it's all fairly, it's all fairly new. You know, you, you look at the landscape of, of, um, of the United States alone, the, the organizations that I know of, they're, they're just in the late 90s, there has been a, a, uh, a blooming of all kinds of apostolic organizations that are just now starting to really um, get solidified and starting to, to be able to scale and reach more people. 
you know, those first startup years, you're just scratching and clawing for, you know, for whatever impact you can have. And then eventually the Holy Spirit helps you figure it out so you can impact more people. So all those organizations that were started in the late 90s are just now starting to get some really good traction and impact. Um, you know, you just think of uh, the Fellowship of Catholic University students as an example, our good friends at Focus, and just the tremendous impact they're having. But they were started, I believe, the same year we were in okay. in Denver. And so we were started in Madison. We were, they were started in Denver. We didn't know about each other until five years in. We were like, whoa, you're doing the same thing, <laughs> except you send missionaries and we have consultants. And yeah, we just, yeah. you know, loved, loved each other from the from the first moment we met each other, never knew that the Holy Spirit inspired our founding in the same year. But there's several organizations like that. And then there's a whole nother wave of organizations that were started in the 2000s, mm -hmm. uh, mid 2000s. And so it's just, it's beautiful how the Holy Spirit is raising up more and more help for the church. Uh, and, and so, yeah, just very thankful to be part of, part of the, the new springtime, you know, as John Paul II called it. Well, that with, you know, what you said, we need, we need a hundred more groups like this. I mean, that's in, in some way, that's the, the hope for this podcast is, is not necessarily that we inspire professional organizations, but, uh, that we inspire, uh, People. whether it's individual apostolates or or movements or groups, um, the let's let's talk a little bit about just the the dream for this podcast. So, um, Jason, Madi, what would you both like to see as the fruit of this work? I think more and more, especially as I started working with the EC, I'm seeing the importance of the laity, and you know, I think. I'm just like looking at the statistics, like 99% of the church is made up by the laity. And it is, man, like if we just equip the laity, specifically, I feel called to like speak, allow people to see their gifts and their worth and their call. Because I think many times people think so-and-so's got it. Someone else is going to handle it. Or, oh, I'm not, I can't do that. Like I don't talk to people or I am an introvert. And understanding that all these are, like, yeah, we're all different. Thank God for that. Thank God that, you know, I'm different than you, Dan, and Dan's different than Jason. Like, all of us are different, and that is a beautiful thing. Like, I would love this podcast to be an opportunity for people to see, hey, like, the Lord can use me to work through me, to reach people in my life through my gifts, and I don't have to change or be someone else. That the Lord wants to use me specifically because of the way that he created me. And so I just want to encourage people to know, hey, like God's calling you and through these stories and through these interviews and through all the things that we're doing, just like I'm talking to you, like God's calling you specifically to go out and, and live our faith outside of the church. Like I want you to live your faith as a nurse and as a teacher and as an electrician and as an accountant, that all of those things are opportunities to simply spread the gospel by just being yourself and allowing the Lord to work. Amen. Yeah. And even, even just thinking about the numbers that, you know, you said statistically, um, the, the numbers are amazing. We already said, say, let's just say on the low end, we have 60 million Catholics and 20% of them or so are coming to mass regularly is what studies say, you know, so we have, Right there, we have uh, 12 million uh, Catholics coming to Mass regularly in the United States. 
And other studies will say between five and 10% of them already sitting in the pews, love Jesus, live every day for Jesus, know that Jesus is their only hope in this world. They've encountered him in beautiful, personal, intimate ways, and they long to share him with the world. But so, so if we say 5% of regular mass goers understand that, uh, then, then we're at 600,000. There's 600,000 Catholics in the United States who already have Jesus, the love of Jesus, burning in their guts. Most of them will say, because the sales media uh, just did a study on this, most of them is, will say they have no idea how to share their faith with the world. And they don't know what that means. They know they should evangelize. They've tried apologetics, but it just kind of made their, their loved ones mad. You know, they've, they've tried to learn the kerygma, but they don't seem to be able to communicate in an in a inspiring way. They, they just, they, so all they know to do and they're doing it is to pray, <laughs> which is awesome. But those people are longing to be shown how they can bring Jesus to the people that they love. And if, if we do that, if we help give people an imagination for how they can do that and unleash the 600,000 people in this country who are eager to do it, then we start changing. We start changing this country. And if we start changing this country, we start changing the world. And we walk around the EC all the time saying, we're going to change the world. We're going to change the world because we can just see the potential of the Catholic church, particularly these 600,000 awesome people sitting in pews waiting for it. And, and I think oftentimes, Madi, you mentioned introverts. I think oftentimes introverts do not understand how they factor in mm -hmm. to the church's call to evangelization. So important. And I'm telling you, the most effective evangelists I have encountered in my work are mm -hmm. introverts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they are powerhouses mm -hmm. of deep listening and sharing a well-timed word that just shifts people's paradigms and gets them thinking in a different way. People already know they're not, they're not salespeople. You know, they're completely authentic. They're not going to say something unless it's worth saying, <laughs> you know, so that people, people listen. I'm an extrovert. People, people can blow off what I say. Cause you know, I'm always talking, but like when you're, <laughs> when you're, an, when you're an introvert, people listen when you talk and I'm telling you the most effective, but people, introverts do not have, uh, an imagination, a daydream for what it looks like for them to be an evangelist, for them to be part of the Great Commission, making disciples in the world. In this podcast, I, I hope and I know the Holy Spirit will uh, feature introverts. Mm -hmm. We will have people who self-identify as introverts, and you'll be able to hear it on the podcast that they're an introvert, and yet you will hear the the, the huge, deep impact that they're having with with one, five, ten people in their life, just by the, the Holy Spirit using them to listen deeply, to understand people deeply, and to share a well-timed word in just the right way uh, by, the, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So I'm really excited for, for those kinds of stories to, to bubble up and for people to start seeing, oh, I could do that. And like you said, Dan, it may not be in that exact same way, Mm -hmm. but it'll, it'll spark, it'll spark an idea. It'll spark a confidence that they didn't have before. Mm -hmm.
Thanks so much. Both those answers were, as I'm listening, like I, I can't wait to keep going with this and just to hear those stories and uh, extroverts don't give up hope, even though, you know, the introverts might be the, the ones who are great listeners. You, you too can <laughs> learn to listen. I certainly have. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm. And all of us are introverts and extroverts. You know what I mean? It's true. But, yeah. I'm a yeah, super extrovert, true. but I need my introvert. <laughs> yes. Um, well, while we're, we're, on the, the this idea of you know just what good things have sparked uh jason or Marty, do either of you have a good example of uh, a lay person who's not a professional minister uh, maybe doesn't have any formal training but still heard that call and answered it and and started bearing fruit i have an awesome story that I okay share, good and then, good and then maybe Marty can share sure. um this this is a story that has deeply impacted me and um, I think about it often. I, I have never met this this woman, but I heard about it. And it happened in, in 2021. Um, so it's, you know, it's not recent, but we'll be sharing plenty of recent stories. But I, this has been very formative for me. And it's just, it's, it's sparked my imagination in my, my own, um, my own life. So this woman, she lives in Washington state and went through our training. And after the training, uh, you know, there's, there's a huge, we have, we have a lot of training in small groups. And so, and there's always an encouragement to start a small group, but she didn't feel called to that. And uh, she didn't know what she felt called to, but, you know, rightly she went home after the training group and she just, you know, prayed through what the Lord wanted her to do. And one day when she was praying, the, uh, a picture of her neighbor came to mind. And this particular neighbor was a few houses down and uh, she was quite reclusive. Every once in a while, she would see this woman walking by on the street. A couple of times she'd been in her front yard and said hi, but she was very socially awkward, reclusive. Um, but the but this woman popped into her mind when she was praying one day. And so then she, she just kind of told the Lord, Lord, I don't know how to reach out to that woman. I've tried to say hi. She's very socially awkward, not comfortable in a conversation. She, you know, uh, never see her, barely ever see her. She's always in her house. And so she just, you know, she spent like another week praying about this woman and Lord, what, what do you want me to do with this woman? And then one day in prayer, she got the inspiration uh, to, to make cookies and bring them down to her, to this woman's house. So she made cookies and she put a little note on the, on the um, cookie tray that just, and she kind of expected it just to drop it off. You know, if the woman didn't answer her door uh, because she was too socially anxious about about you know answering her door, then she would just leave it. And so she left a note, just said, "Hey, I'm I'm your neighbor, three houses down. My my name is you know whatever her name was Barbara or whatever. Um, if you ever want to talk, here's my phone number." And that's what that was what the note said. Well, she got she brought the cookies over. She knocked on the door and she saw the woman in inside their house. She had a glass pane on her front door, and the woman did not come to the door. And so she she left the cookies and turned around and started walking out of the yard. And the woman came out of from out from back around the side yard and um, awkwardly introduced herself. And they had a brief conversation. And in that conversation, the woman was inspired to ask, do you need anything? Can I go get you groceries or anything? And um, the woman said, actually, I do need groceries. Would you drive me? to get groceries because she was very anxious about driving. And, and so the woman, so then they, they went to the grocery store, right there, right there. We, they went to the grocery That's store awesome. and yeah. And even in the grocery store, this woman 
would get separated because she'd go go get her own product. Um, and she would get worried when they're separated and she would text this woman and say, Hey, where are you? I can't find you. And, and, and they would get back together. So like this deep trust is developing already. This, her neighbors mm-hmm. already seeing this woman as trustworthy and, um, you know, someone to help take care of her. Um, so their, their relationship developed over, over the weeks as, you know, she took her grocery shopping every time she went grocery shopping and asked, can I get you anything? Um, so one day they were sitting at her house talking and uh, all of a sudden the, the woman brought up faith and brought up um, fear and anxiety and just for the first time shared all of the, the anxiety and fears that kind of plague her and mm. talked about faith and how she, she hasn't connected really well with faith. She hasn't been going to church for a long time. And they just had this deep conversation about, about faith and it just opened the door to start sharing about her story of, of the Lord and how the Lord has, has rescued her from so many fears in her past. And so you can just kind of see the progression, you know, the friendship continues. I haven't gotten an update on it for a while, but um, it's just so beautiful that she didn't feel called to lead a small group. She prayed, the woman came to her mind. She prayed more, what should you do? And you can just see the shepherd, the good shepherd, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit leading this woman little by little to a person she never thought she'd be reaching out to. But -hmm. the woman made space for the Lord to speak and didn't take on a volunteer opportunity or a small group out of compulsion. Like, I really should do something. Everyone else is doing something. I'm going to look stupid if I don't. She waited on the Lord, you know, diligently. And I just, I love that. Just how Mm -hmm. the Lord led her to the lost you know, led her to someone lonely, needing a friend. Uh, this just just how he works. It's so beautiful. Mm, I, love that. I love that story. And especially the things you highlighted at the end with like, she didn't join, she didn't commit, she didn't start. She just initiated a friendship. Walk with mm-hmm. And yep. that more, more importantly than than all of those previous things, as good as they are, friendship is the the avenue of evangelization. And you yeah. like if you're not if you don't want to be friends with somebody, you really can't effectively evangelize them because you're not going to develop trust. You're not going to show them that you care. Um, man, what a great story, Jason! Thanks. Yeah, I love it, uh, Marty. I don't know if, if you have one, but if you do, go ahead. If not, I have one that came to mind. I think I have like twenty. I have a lot in my head. Okay. Okay. Oh, good, good. <laughs> but I, I'm going to go with one, and he hasn't even officially started. But I just love his excitement. I was just doing an on-site. And I forgot what state right now, honestly. Where was I? Where was I? One of the Carolinas. I was somewhere. Oh, South Carolina. And we were gathering and we were talking and I got to meet the people that were part of the training group of Reach More, right? That they had gone 12 weeks and so everyone's going around and sharing like different apostolates and you have like these women that were just so on fire and they're like, I'm going to do a Bible study with my neighbors. And the other one's like, I'm going to do a Bible study with my family, with my sisters. And they're all excited. And this guy's kind of like, you could tell he's feeling a little bit like I haven't done much. So he's a little hesitant. And so I asked him, so what are you thinking of doing? And he's like, I don't, I don't know. I haven't like fully started, but I just really love art. And I kind of want to do something with art. And I looked at him and I was like, that's awesome. What do you, what do you love about art? And I just asked him questions about art and he started telling me about his favorite artist and his favorite painting. And I looked at him and I was like, 
you know, you could just do a group where you just gather, hang out, eat some food, and you could just pick up art piece every week, you know, maybe like a sacred art piece and just talk about it. And he looked at him and he's like, I can do that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, yeah. He's like, but it's not, I was like, art is a, a beautiful thing. You're passionate about art. You can use your passions and bring in faith and it could be an awesome discussion. He's like, and I don't have to do it at the church, right? I was like, no, you can do it at your house. And he's like, wow. Like I was just, I loved seeing his excitement of, cause I kept, I, every time we do, I talk to people about apostolates, I always ask, what are your gifts? What are you passionate about? And who do you feel called to walk with? Right? Like those are the three questions that I always ask people. And I asked him those questions. That's how the art thing came up. And so I'm going to be following up cause this was literally two weeks ago, but I'm um, just following up with what he is going to be doing. But what I loved about the story was just seeing his eyes open up with excitement and with the excitement came like all these things of I can write this person and I can do this and I could and he was just so just he was just really excited so that's my first one that came to mind right now that's a good one that's and that's a great example of, of like not so much that the like what people think of like oh I'm, I'm supposed to be involved in church so that means I need to go to the parish more I need to be involved in something and uh, that like there's not room at the parish for all the people who reside in the, in the parish boundaries. Mm-hmm. And so we have to go elsewhere. I mean, you know, just I'm thinking my parish, there's probably a hundred thousand people who reside in the local area or at least 50,000 people. They can't all go to the church. There's gotta be stuff like that's not at the church. And for those people who aren't willing to step foot inside a parish for, for many reasons, some of which are, are legitimate. Um, how can they come in contact with a follower of Jesus? Cause if they don't, they're never going to hear about them. Um, well, the, the one that came to mind for me was a friend who, during the pandemic, uh, people were were just asking him about RCIA. And there were a lot of parishes who didn't really have anything going on at the time. So for, if you're not familiar with RCIA, that's, that stands for Rite of Christian Initiation. Um, and uh, it's the way that people come into the church and become Catholics. And if, if they're not uh, minors or if they're not children. And he thought, well, why don't I just start my own RCIA group, which is, is, you know, not typical. Like most people would think like that's got to take place at a parish. And he just was like, okay, I'm going to do it because he had friends who trusted him and he wasn't going to say, oh, go over there. Like those people will help you. They'll walk with you. He was like, no, I have to do this. And so, um, he, uh, there's liturgical rites that are part of RCIA that, you know, need to be, take place in a parish, but this was all the, the formation. This was the, the, um, the inquiry stage, people who they had a, a very comfortable space to ask questions. And so via Zoom, he just started meeting with, I think, eight or 10 people and uh, asked a priest to be a part of it for, for some parts of it. And it was phenomenally successful. And uh, the people who were going through this with him, they had to go to their parish and say, okay, this was, this is what I went through. Uh, I'd like to become Catholic. And so then they they included them and, and just kind of slotted them into what was going on there, but recognized these people have already been formed in the faith and they're showing signs of conversion. They're ready to become Catholic. And and eventually my friend got, uh, he connected with a local parish and they reviewed what he was doing and they said, yeah, you're good to go. Um, and, and that's kind of like a, a more of a, like he's, he's an extrovert and, and an entrepreneur. So that fit with his gifts and his personality to, you know, do an RCIA program. But um, with the art and with this one-on-one, Jason, that you shared, it doesn't have to be programmatic. It can be um, very, uh, very casual, very informal. 
um, and still be very impactful. I, I just can't imagine what it meant to that woman that someone would would come to, into her life and be willing to do things like go shopping. Like what a simple thing. Mm -hmm. And yet what a gift to her. Like mm -hmm. if you have so much anxiety that you can't go to the store, um, just, I mean, just imagine for a second, like how much that interrupts your life. Mm -hmm. right? That's not trivial. And how lonely you feel. Yeah, you just kind of stuck in at home because everything everything worries you and you don't have somebody taking care of you uh yeah I, I can't imagine what it meant to have that kind of care uh extended to her but i love i love that rcia I, you know dan i haven't heard of of people doing that and you're exactly right there's no reason that has to happen happen in the parish obviously the you know the the various rites and the scrutinies that would all happen liturgically in the parish but but a lot of RCIA is the the stages of inquiry and in leading mm -hmm. up to the catechesis that takes place in, in preparation for the right of election. Mm -hmm. And all of that could happen in people's homes. And you're exactly right. It'd be just such a lower barrier of entry to invite friends who are curious about Catholicism to come and, and have you share your experience of it and the, open up the catechism together and, and seek answers together. That's That's such a great idea. I love that. Yeah, and you yeah, see like, no, the power, the power of invitation and the power of just conversation. And those are just two, they seem like simple things, but they're so much more like impactful than we can ever imagine. So that's yeah. beautiful. Indeed. Yeah. Well, um, Jason, Mari, let's say somebody's listening to this and they say, you know what? I'm already inspired. Um, what, what would be the, the next steps that they could take to become equipped? to uh to reach out in this way and reach more well i think i, I can think of a couple of things first of all you should subscribe to this podcast <laughs> great idea uh, but also i i think um just just so every listener knows that um we the evangelical catholic love to help parishes launch reach more uh to train and equip their parishioners for mission in the world and so if your parish is not working with us, or if you're a college student, if your campus is not working with us, uh, certainly send an email to us so that we could have a conversation about how to, how to help make that happen. And uh, you can email us at ec at evangelicalcatholic.org, ec at evangelicalcatholic.org. And probably Dan will have some show notes that uh, we can have that in. Um, but also a, pla a place where you could go to, to get some formation in, in discipleship. And also there's some mission training involved in it is uh, it's our, our website and it's all free. Mm -hmm. It's called ecnextstep.com. <laughs> if that doesn't work, just put it in uh, .org. <laughs> I'm looking uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Madi's checking it. But and that'll be in the show notes. Dot com. Dot com, yeah. So it's all one word, ecnextstep.com. And that's an awesome resource. You can use that. You could go through that with your friend. There's all there's leader guides. There's awesome videos on there uh, about, about discipleship and about mission, about helping to be somebody's guide uh, in life to walk them closer in discipleship. So that's a great free resource that I think you could use in your own personal apostolate with people. Thanks so much. And I've used that before with people and they love it. I mean, they, they love the resources, they love everything on there. And so, um, 
the that's a, a great free thing to to use to immediately start to get some of the those just the the basics of how to share the faith and how to walk with people and like mm -hmm. you you said earlier like people tried apologetics and and really i think that led people into a lot of arguments um even if it, it probably mm -hmm. convicted them of their own faith which i'm very grateful for it was a great thing um but it, what it was lacking was how do you how do you have a relationship with someone such that they even want to listen to you? Like if you walk up to somebody like, hey, let me tell you about the reasons why you should believe in the papacy. Like, I don't even believe in Jesus. Why should I care about the papacy? That's an internal argument that you guys have. Leave me alone. Um, but instead to, to realize how to have a relationship and, and earn the right to be heard. So awesome. Well, Madi, Jason, this was a, a great first start to the Reach More podcast. And I cannot wait to have guests from all around the country, maybe all around the world on here to share about what they're doing, uh, how the Lord has called them and the creative ways that they have responded. Uh, so, so friends, thanks so much for joining us. As Jason said, please hit subscribe and uh, stick with us because you're going to hear some really, really inspiring tales of mission from the field. Well, there you have it. That's our second episode of the Reach More podcast in the books. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't yet already, please make sure you hit subscribe or follow so you don't miss next week, which is when we will have our first guest who is out there in the field doing the stuff that we're talking about. He was an investigative journalist for a long time, and he has now taken all that energy and creativity and zeal and put that towards helping people come to know the goodness of God. So cannot wait for you to hear his story. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Until then, please count on our prayers for you and please keep us in your prayers so that we can all continue to do the good work that Jesus has invited us to do. God bless you. Peace be with you.